Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 155. I'm Jim Kemsky from com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingBeNation.com. We're going to talk about the Eagles-Giants game upcoming this Sunday. Uh, we'll finish up our grades uh, that we started on last week. We graded the offensive positions one by one with the defense and the head coaching, or the coaching staff, front office uh, this week. Get to a little news, and we'll make our NFC's pick. So, Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, Eagles are back from the bye. We're back from the bye, even though we did record last week. Uh, obviously, BGN Radio brought to you, brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. You can go to righttosell.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Uh, but there's a lot to get to today, Jimmy. So why don't we just dive right in? Uh, news. Eagles coach tests positive for COVID. Yeah. We don't know who it is. Actually, has anything going on? I haven't really paid attention to that, really. I guess, for me, it's really only, I mean, I don't want to sound crass here, but it's really only newsworthy from the team perspective if it were Doug, which isn't going to happen now, uh, or if it were Jim Schwartz, the two guys that, that call plays on, on game day. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, at this point in the season, uh, you know, I mean, again, not to sound crass, but not that big a deal. So someone dies, and it's no big deal. <laughs> That's Jimmy's take on the co- uh, Jimmy saying the coronavirus not that serious. No, obviously not. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's shifted the way they're gonna practice this week. Like they can't have in person meetings and stuff. But yes, they'll still be able to get that in virtually. It'll be interesting to see if we find out who it is. I feel like, I mean, if that coach isn't with the team on game day. I think we, you know, might kind of figure that out at some point. I'm sure right, people right. will be scouring and looking around for that. So we'll see. I mean, to me, the bigger, you know, concern there is last week there were a bunch of positive COVID tests, and including the Eagles, you know, with Marcus Epps and him yes. going on uh, the reserve COVID-19 list and a bunch of players around the league. And then obviously just in the nation as a whole. I mean, late last week, it was like uh, four straight days with like 100K new cases so it's obviously going up around the country and that's just it's a concern it's like are we going to be able to finish this nfl season especially as we're getting into uh because it's later in the season and now teams are running out of bye weeks because the buys are you know passing things are kind of getting crunched here and the nfl obviously just voted for a contingency plan so kind of just you know bigger picture view of it is like you know is this gonna stop the season yeah I, there's like a map i saw of uh the united states i think it was 48 of the 50 states or actually uh f- i guess 46 of the 48 um um you know non-hawaii non-alaska states uh you had what was called an uncontrolled spread so like it was a it was a color-coded map and like the dark red was uncontrolled spread the next one down was like um you know alarming spread um you know, the next one down from that was like spreading. And then the one down from that was like uh, either, you know, neutral plateau or, or like um, or like declining spread. And like almost the entire country was like was like dark red. So, I mean, it is really out of control right now. And as you mentioned, you know, as far as how it'll affect the NFL season, I mean, they're already making contingencies for the playoffs mm-hmm. in terms of uh, expanding the number of teams that make the playoffs uh, in the event that like every team doesn't get to play. Uh, all 16 of their regular season games. So, um, do you think that'll happen? By the way, I mean, not that not that you or I are are um, you know <laughs> are are COVID experts, but do, do you kind of? I I feel like they're going to do that. Uh, I made some calls, Jimmy, and yeah, it turns out <laughs> <laughs> that it's entirely possible that they. Do. I don't. I honestly don't know. I I hope not. I sure hope not. The uh, the weird thing that they were considering doing that, and I know that you covered this. I didn't cover it, but uh, you. You know, had noted that I guess one of the proposals on the table is that they just recede it completely too. Mm-hmm. So if the Eagles won the NFC East, they wouldn't necessarily automatically get at least the four seed, 
where they would, uh, you know, instead likely, very likely get the eight seed, having probably the worst record by the time uh, the playoffs roll around, which to me, like, that's like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't just change rules like that midseason. I'm all for, like, some kind of change during the offseason because yes. I do think that it's unfair sometimes that a garbage, a garbage team might win their division and play a much better and deserving team uh, in the playoffs in, the, in that first wild card round game. So, like, if they want to re, you know, if they want to rethink that during the offseason, I mean, you can't be making changes like that in the middle of the season. That's crazy. And uh, the NFL rightfully uh, did not adopt that part uh, of the proposal. But uh, anyway, a little off track here. Anyway, there there is a coach that's going to be out. Really, only concerning from from the. I mean, it's concerning. You know, you you worry about the health of whoever that is. But uh, uh, as far as the team aspect goes and the success of the team moving forwards, it's really only concerning from the prospect of of that of it spreading further uh, within the organization. Yeah, and hopefully it doesn't. Jimmy, a big thing really coming out of Doug's press conference on Wednesday, <laughs> where, where Doug Peterson's naturally, you know, game against the Giants this week, big matchup, you know, coming out of the bye. So naturally, Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz dominated the topic of the press conference because, and this is stupid too, by the way, Jimmy, because Brett Favre <laughs> had already like weighed in on this. There's an, I have an article up on Bleeding Green Nation about this from like January 2019, where, you know, both players were obviously still on the team at then. Or back then, and Brett Favre had said that you know he feels like the Eagles should keep Nick Foles and get rid of Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. and they didn't obviously. And now somehow it came up again on our recent ESPN show that Favre basically said yeah. the same opinion, except now it's already happened, and he said he would have kept Nick Foles instead of Carson Wentz. And somehow this became a talking point again. <laughs> I, I think it's fair that Doug Peterson was asked about it. You know he has a close relationship with Brett Favre, obviously, but it got weird. And basically, you know, Doug had to be asked about this two times where he said he respected Brett Favre's opinion without really kind of saying, you know, you know, I respect Brett's opinion, but Carson Wentz is our quarterback. Although I will say uh, in the first answer that Doug Peterson gave, he said, I'll have a conversation with him off the record. And he smiled like kind of like jokingly about that one. I kind of got lost in, in uh translation there i think because i think um eagles pr kind of started talking because he, he left like a gap after he said his final line and then he said that he kind of threw that in there but anyway uh yeah so a lot of people are like reading into this how they want i think people who are very pro carson wentz are going to say oh this doesn't mean anything and very pro team are going to be oh this doesn't mean anything it's just whatever it's the media making something up but i think a lot of people who are frustrated with carson wentz and naturally there are a lot of those with how poorly he's played they're going to say this means that Doug, you know, doesn't like Carson Wentz or whatever. You know, where do you land on it, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't care less at, at, at all about the Carson Wentz, uh, uh, Nick Foles debate. Like, I just don't care. It's it's meaningless to me because it was such a clear decision to roll with Carson Wentz and allow, you know, I mean, Nick Foles is going to get paid in free agency. So, like, you weren't going to be able to keep both guys anyway. Like, it just the idea of keeping Nick Foles just made no sense whatsoever at the time. None. Like, there was just really no argument for it at all at the time. Um, and even now, like, even in hindsight, you see what he's done since. Like, he was in Jacksonville. That flamed out. He's not playing well with the Bears this season. So, like, I mean, as you mentioned, Carson Wentz is having a really bad season this year. But regardless, like, it's just a debate that I'm tired of. And, like, it's just, it's just, like, I just don't care about it anymore. It's played out to an extreme degree. And I just, like, I just don't care about it. And then beyond that, I don't care what Brett Favre says. I guess like it's somewhat relevant because he's friends with Doug and from Wentz's perspective, like he admired Favre growing up. In fact, like when he got drafted, he mentioned like four quarterbacks that he uh, wanted to pattern his game after over his career. And it was Favre, uh, Brady, Cam Newton, I believe, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. And he mentioned Favre first. And really, he just what he said about him was that he just admired the way he played that uh, he loves the game, sort of played free and whatever. And actually, he's kind of played like Favre a little bit this year, uh, except that it's gone very badly <laughs> for him uh, in terms of the number of turnovers that he's had so far this year. But uh, from Wentz's perspective, you certainly wouldn't want to hear that from like a, a guy that you kind of idolized, as, you know, coming mm-hmm. up as as a, as a high school and, and college quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, get, but, you know, that aside, like who cares what these ex NFL players are are talking? Like, who cares what they're what what they think? Like, it's amazing to me that you know a, a, an ex NFL player can have some opinion about you know a team that they probably don't even follow all that much, 
And then people just write a ton of articles about it. Like, it's, it's nuts to me. Like this morning, for example, I was writing like my, my weekly picks post and I'll lean on ESPN just because I like the layout of their website in terms of like seeing like what they've done in previous games for like when I'm looking at like one specific team or whatever, just to like see like, uh, you know, it, it's I like the layout in terms of being able to see like the last three, four games and, mm-hmm. and stats and stuff like that. And on the uh, Patriots page, uh, it said something like, uh, Bart Scott had a, a really interesting thing to say about Bill Belichick. And I only clicked on I would never click on that. Never. I would never click on something like that. But I did in this case because I knew we were going to talk about Brett Favre. So I just wanted to see what dumb shit thing Bart Scott had to say about Bill, about Bill Belichick. And his theory was that, like, Bill Belichick was, um, you know, was, was going to hand over the team to Josh McDaniels. And like totally empty speculation has no, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Just, just throw out an opinion. And then I Googled Bart Scott just to see like how many news organizations picked it up. And it was like at least a dozen that said mm-hmm. like that. Bart Scott says about Bill Ch- Belichick, blah, 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 blah. And it's just this like, it's just kind of the way that um, news or spe- it's just like the news cycle that occurs uh, in the NFL and really in the world in general. That I just like I just don't care what Brett Favre or Bar- Bart Scott or whoever else has to say about a team they don't even really follow or what like who cares who cares what these people have to say so it's a thing that you know the third question that got asked about Favre by the way uh, was kind of crazy <laughs> in my opinion like it was like Doug you know you realize this is gonna blow up if you don't uh, if you don't fix what you said and then finally Doug was like uh, Carson Wentz is our guy definitively and blah 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 blah. Um, but you know, so like, I thought that was kind of like a crazy question to begin with. Doug finally got the answer right, but it's just something that I don't care about. It's just something that like is is just not what I want to cover at all in terms of covering an NFL team. Sorry, sorry for that rant. <laughs> or I'll wait. I'll weigh into it first. Is that like on Doug Peterson's side? Because I, if I'm looking at this, I think my honest interpretation is that when Doug Peterson is answering these questions. He's really good friends with Brett Favre, and he doesn't want to throw Brett Favre under the bus. He doesn't want to be like, you know, that was a stupid opinion. Like, he's not going to say that because that's his buddy. Like, that's (laughs) he didn't even say anything bad about Mike Lombardi when he had a chance. Right. So, and also, Doug Peterson is awkward in press conferences. We know that from covering him for a long time now. Like, sometimes, like he'll just say things that don't make sense. Sometimes, like, like I think you go back to he had a press conference. I think it was at um like the NFL owners meetings one year, and he was talking about like some like Jason Kelsey or like playing left ta- or tackle or, or uh, Jason Peters playing center, like something or something like weird, like something just totally like, wh- where did that come from? And yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. sometimes he just like, you know, he's, he's, just, he's not the most, I, I think actually back uh, of an example, and I can relate to this because I'm not the most uh, clear and, and always, and I misspeak all the time too. But um, I go back to the question I even asked him, it was like in the preseason last year. And my question for him uh, it was like during training camp was like, Doug, is there any downside to holding players out of the preseason? And he answered it like, is there any downside to them playing? Because he was like, he was talking about how they could get hurt. And I was like, that's not what I asked. So sometimes you ask Doug Peterson a question and he doesn't even like fully understand or, or give you the answer. So like, I think that has to be considered here. Uh, things can kind of get clumsy and awkward in a press conference. I think that's a factor, but it is weird. Like, <laughs> It's very bizarre how he was given that chance to like, kind of clarify on the first follow-up and he didn't be like you know like yeah i respect brett's opinion but carson wentz is our quarterback like that's all he had to say like, all he had to say is like carson wentz is our quarterback like if he just said that you know it's it's not really even a story I, I don't think we're talking about it maybe uh radio stations aren't talking about it so like doug has some culpability here when it comes to the specific nick Foles angle what are we talking about people what what are we talking about? Are you not watching this guy play for the Bears? Are you not watching? Like, <laughs> right. This is a guy who got benched for Gardner Minshew, who might get benched now in Jacksonville for uh, another rookie. Uh, Luton. Yeah, Jake Luton. Jake Luton. Luton. Jake Luton. Yeah. And then, you know, Mitchell Trubisky might take over for Nick Foles if he's healthy, if he can get healthy because he's hurt. Like, this is the guy that's magically going to fix everything that's wrong with the Eagles. I mean, given how Nick Foles... Uh, defies expectation maybe that actually would happen but no it's not gonna happen <laughs> right and it's also just like it's over man this is so long ago like it, it's such a it's such a non-starter it's exhausting that we keep talking about this it almost makes me feel like this organization can't move forward i mean i, I don't know 
you know, that they're holding on to this as much as, you know, fans they're, are. They're not. They're, they're not. It's the, it's, it's the fans and, the, and, and certain aspects of the movie. But, but the way I, I agree. But the way I think about that is almost just like, it's just like we can't move on. Like, just move on. Like, so, <laughs> so there's that. Um, it's boring to me. It's just, it's just a boring topic at this point. Who cares? I, I want to say that people, like, romanticize the idea of Nick Foles as the starter. As if he would just, like, come in and he would never play a bad game. The expectation doesn't come close to meeting reality on this. Like, it's, there's such a divide. There's a chasm between those two things. And so it's silly. But that wasn't even the main point. It's, it's about I mean, you, you win a Super Bowl and uh, <laughs> I like, that does go a long way. But uh, but you, you are right. Like, I mean, it, it, it like he's look at how he's played. Mm-hmm. It's been bad, like really bad. He's been arguably worse than Wentz. Yeah. So not this year, but the last two years. So do you agree with me on Doug and everything there? His uh, in terms of his awkwardness in press conferences. Yeah. Like his yeah. his role in this becoming a story. Yeah. I mean, it's he's just not polished <laughs> in, in press conferences. Like it should have been a, a, a really a layup for him on the first go around and Carson's our guy, you know, best of luck to Nick and where, you know, whatever he does with the bears and whatever we hope, you know, we, we hope he does well, whatever, but Carson wants our guy. Like that should have been the answer right, right away. And then uh second go around, he had another opportunity should have gotten it. Then finally the reporter told him how he, how he has to answer. And then he did answer that way. <laughs> the, re- the third, the third question, he was told how to answer the question. And then finally he answered it that way. All right, so pivoting out of that yeah. and kind of getting into this week <laughs> <laughs> against the New York Giants in the Eagles football game. Uh, first, I want to note that the Eagles are getting healthier coming out of the bye, Jimmy. Uh, Isaac Sumalo, his practice window was activated this week. He might be back at left guard. Um, did you know, Jimmy, that the Eagles might have eight players who didn't play in the – or is it 11 or is it eight? 11. Yeah, I count 11 oh, Man, wow, people. that's a lot so, of players. 20, yeah, that was that was a real Mike Princess of I mean there too, just counting on the podcast. Um, but twenty one percent of the Eagles fifty three man roster, basically, uh, will be playing in this game potentially. It's not you know some of those guys might not play for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, those guys could potentially be back because none of them missed practice on Wednesday. The only player who missed practice was Fletcher Cox, and that was for rest. There, everyone was at least limited or better. But yeah, so. Dallas Goddard. Do you have those I, names in front of you? Yeah, Dallas Goddard, Isaac Sumalo, Alshon Jeffrey, who was a fool for the first time, uh, Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager, Jason Peters, TJ Edwards, Malik Jackson, Jack Driscoll, Kevon Wallace, and Rudy Ford. So eight of those guys are starters. Yeah, legit names there. Yeah, so they could be back for this game. Kind of a big deal. Now, I will say that the Eagles started 0-2-1 when they had a lot of these guys in the lineup. So it's not right. like, oh, they're healthy. Everything's magically fixed. But that seems significant, and I guess specifically with you, I wanted to get into, uh, like, what do the Eagles do on the offensive line this week? Yeah, so um, if, say, Amalo comes back, I guess, is, is that the premise there? If if Isaac comes back, then what do they do? Yeah. Or I guess they're getting Lane back, too, so there's going to be a change either yeah, way. Either way, let's talk about it. So so Lane will be back at, at right tackle, almost certainly. If he's not, then, then Jack Driscoll will, will probably be back, too. Um, so there's going to be somebody at right tackle. Uh, that's not Jordan Mailata. Jordan Mailata having started uh, last week against, or two weeks ago against Dallas. So uh, the question here is, well, first question is who's going to play left tackle, or excuse me, uh, left guard. If Isaac's back, he'll play there. And Herbig will move from left guard to right guard. And Matt Pryor, who had started at right guard, will be back on the bench. Jason Kelsey, of course, at center. And then the big question is, do you play uh, Jason Peters or... Uh, Jordan Mailata at left tackle. I guess if you don't play Peters, then Peters would play right right guard instead of Herbig. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at left tackle, that's the big question, whether you go back to Peters or you have Mailata fill in for him at left tackle. And I know that the answer is going to be yes. that they're going to start Jason Peters. Like, there's no question that that's what's going to happen. And Mailata will almost certainly be back on the bench. Should they start Mailata? I think like a week ago, I was... Uh, pretty adamant that it should be Mylata playing left tackle. But you know what? I think I've kind of wavered a little bit on that over the last week. So, like, I just put together um, a video of all 32 of the Eagles' sacks allowed this season. And Mylata actually leads uh, the offensive lineman with four sacks allowed uh, so far this season in, you know, not that high. I mean, not a ton of snaps. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
and uh, some of the times that he got beat were actually really bad. And so, like, I think, uh, you know, you use the word romanticized. I think we've maybe romanticized how well uh, Mylotta has played in, in the opportunities that he has gotten this year. I think he probably does have the edge over JP in terms of how well they've played so far this year, because JP really hasn't played that well either. Uh, but I'm a little bit more, I feel a little bit more lenient toward the team if they want to go with Peters instead of Mylotta at this point. I still think it should be Mylotta, just because you may as well get him some experience and um, in, in what is not going to be a Super Bowl season anyway. You can win the division even if you play Mylotta. But uh, I, I would probably still go with my lotta, but I'm not as adamant as I was a week ago. Yeah, I, I would like to see my lotta still, but I guess they're part of the thinking is like maybe uh, they feel like they need him to be the swing tackle, you know, like to yeah, be ready that, that's another point too. Yes, with with JP and Lane both being you know potentially snap away. Although I wonder if they'll put in Jack Driscoll ahead. Oh yeah, well him. I would think it'll still be Driscoll at right tackle if, if Lane goes down. Right. I think I think it's basically my lotta is your backup left tackle right now. You know, assuming both those guys are healthy, assuming Driscoll can play, that is. And if Lane goes down, then Driscoll goes in. Because that, that was their plan early in the year. I don't know why that would change, because Driscoll actually has looked pretty good, too, when he's played. Uh, Jimmy, we're going to get more into the Eagles versus Giants matchup later in the show. We're going to get into some grades here after the break. But first, I want to tell you a word from our sponsor. And I set it up like there, like there was going to be a song or something, but there wasn't, because oh. I don't have one prepared. <laughs> that was just a little trick. Uh, obviously, you know, BGN Radio is brought to you by Right to Sound Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your NFC East leading Philadelphia Eagles, going to make the playoffs, potentially Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, Right to Sound Craft Jerky, obviously a, you know, a great snack for a potential playoff team. How about that? Uh, you can get yours by going to rightsisfelon.com using discount code BGN15. Uh, they're great snacks. It's a great way to support BGN Radio, great way to support a local business. And uh, yeah, so go do that. And also, quick shout out, obviously, of course, too, for the SB Nation NFL show. Doing a show over there with Rob Guerrera. Stats, off-day debrief, called the Oddcast. So go check that out. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate the support we've been getting in there. It's a, lot of, it's a national show, Jimmy, but there's a lot of Eagles fans hopping in those reviews. So uh, we love that BGN support. And uh, Jimmy, back into this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 155. Jimmy, let's finish up our grades. Because we, we got the offense last week. We meant to do Doug. Uh, we forgot. Like, the forgot about VR. Sorry, Doug. So let's just dive right in. All right, start defensive end. Yeah. I'm going to go with a... B plus, okay. because Brandon Graham is awesome, having a Pro Bowl slash even maybe All Pro kind of year. Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat have underratedly gone cold in these past couple weeks. I don't think they have like a sack in the last three or four games here. That's kind of okay. concerning, um, but they have shown some potential. So I can't you know just say it's like a complete failure. Uh, obviously, we're better early on in the year. Jannard Avery had that big game, so that's a big boost up. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Yeah, Vinny's been okay too, um, but sure. for me, I, I actually have uh, I have B plus written down here as well. Uh, you already mentioned the season that Brandon Graham has had—not only big season, but he's had two huge plays. He had the strip sack, um, you know, two weeks in a row against the Giants and Cowboys. Um, are the Eagles leading the division right now without Brandon Graham? I don't know. He's been their best player, in my opinion, on really either side of the ball. Well, maybe Travis Fulgham, but on the defensive side of the ball, for sure. It's been uh, Brandon Graham has been the best player. 
I think uh, Josh Sweat has been really good this year. At a minimum, he's. I think the Eagles have a fine there in terms of like of, of high quality rotational pass rusher. If he can maybe become a, a full time starter at some point, then I think that's you know just sort of icing on the cake. But at a minimum, I think he's been a fine for them in the fourth round of the draft. Uh, Barnett has kind of been hot and cold. Like you mentioned, you know, those two guys have underratedly been unproductive the last few weeks. I think Sweat's actually played pretty well the last few weeks. Barnett has been a little bit invisible for me. So, um, you know, I wonder about him next year. Uh, but but Curry's been okay. And you mentioned Jannard Avery. Uh, and then, of course, the poor run out for uh, Casey Tuhill losing his roster spot so that they can bring Curry back a week early. Yeah, that <laughs> should be an F for that alone. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of more of a front office thing. Uh, what do you have for defensive tackle? So I got a C minus for them, and it's not because like, and I'm grading on a curve there. So, or, or at least the, yeah, it's about according to ex- expectations. Because Fletcher Cox is still a good player, not the elite player that he was. Uh, Javon Hargrave has been an absolute zero for them so far this year. Malik Jackson's been good, like he's been disruptive. But are we maybe overrating him a little bit? Like, let me look at this. Let me look at his stats real quick. And I know it's not. I know it's not all stats. Stats don't tell the story along the defensive line. It's how they perform as a group, according to Jim Schwartz. But okay, so this year he has 1.5 sacks. He's got 13 tackles. He does have 11 quarterback hits. That's pretty good. All right, maybe not overrated. So he's been <laughs> so he's he's been productive at least in his role. Uh, but for me, the, you know, Hargrave giving you absolutely nothing from the defensive tackle position is is a little hard to overlook. And then Hassan Ridgeway, I thought played uh, pretty well before you know he got lost for the season with the biceps injury. But for me, really, it, it, it kind of – when you look at the two starters or the two guys that you sort of project to be starters um, after they – you know, during this offseason in Fletcher Cox and, and J. Bowden Hargrave, uh, it, it's just not enough for me for what those guys are being paid. Going into the season, instead, like these guys better have like elite production because you <laughs> yeah. give these guys three like top 20 interior defensive line contracts. It's, it's a really questionable use of resources to go out and get Javon Hargrave uh, with the limited money that you did and then – you know, going uh, leading into heading into the bye or heading into the Cowboys game, Jimmy uh, Shield Kapadia from Birds with Friends had mentioned that Javon Hargrave has produced a sack on just 2.6 of his pass rush opportunities, and that ranks 106 at 139 qualifying defensive linemen. And his performance against the run, based on film, has been equally as bad. That's exactly what Shield had to say. Mm-hmm. And you don't see him showing up in the stat sheet either, yeah, like at all. So that's kind of a big issue. Now, you know, he was hurt in camp. Um, I kind of feel like that might still be impacting him, but you know, like, this is the bottom line here. It's a, it's not good enough. Like you're investing all this money, and I feel like that's not gotten enough heat. Really, like that was your big free agent signing, and he's ain't doing. He's not doing jack. Like that's a big issue. Um, yeah. And again, that's more so in the, I think the front office ultimately, and we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, that's really disappointing. And then with Fletcher Cox, like you know, I still think Fletcher Cox is a good player, very good player. But like, when's the last time? And I think I've said this multiple times on the show this year. Like, when's the last time he's like taken over a game entirely, you know, and been like, oh wow, like the Eagles won that game because of Fletcher Cox. Like, I can't right. really think of that off the top. Right. Of my my mind. answer has always been to you, like he did sort of do that in the Seahawks playoff uh-huh. game. But when you add in that they won, you take that away, of course. But he, he was totally dominant in that game. But yeah. I haven't seen it yet this. I haven't seen it yet this year. Yeah. So I I was thinking C plus two. I, I think I'll go. Yeah, I'll stick with that. I'll say C, or sorry, C minus. Okay. Moving on to linebacker. <laughs> Just keep having at it. All you D minus. Okay. Um, it's like Nate Gary has been pretty bad. Obviously, just totally total liability. And coverage and obviously missed tackles have been an issue with him. Maybe not to the extent they were last year, but still not a strength. His uh, TJ Edwards, you know, present or pleasant surprise. I was going to say peasant surprise or something there. I was going to stumble on uh, TJ Edwards. Looks like you have something in him. I still think it's tough to you know have him be as your top linebacker. Ideally, just because of the coverage limitations. I like TJ Edwards. Don't get me wrong. You know, I just I still wonder about ultimately what he can be. You know, Alex Singleton has done some nice things, very much relative to expectation. But, you know, it's just not a good group. And, you know, covering tight ends has been an issue for them this year. It used to never really be an issue for this defense for a long time. And, uh, yeah, so I have to go D-. minus. I went D here. I'd like to see TJ Edwards play in a three-down role. Just let me see it. Sure. You know what I mean? Let me see it, and let me see what he can do and uh, evaluate from there. But... Uh, he's better by far than Nate Gary. 
I wonder how hurt Nate Gary actually is. Whether they just kind of are like, mm, maybe we'll just, uh, yep, maybe you'll, maybe you'll just hit the IR for a little while, <laughs> uh, so we don't have to, we don't have to bench you. <laughs> so uh, I, I think uh, T.J. Edwards has a chance to, to be. I think he's going to be the three down linebacker for a little while, and uh, we'll see how he does. Duke Riley has does nothing for me. The two rookies that they drafted in Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor haven't done anything. Um, I think that the excuse that it takes a long time to learn a linebacker position in this scheme, um, you know, while valid to some degree, I mean, shouldn't mean that these guys don't. TJ Edwards played last year, played a substantial number of snaps last year as an undrafted rookie free agent. And I understand COVID. I understand like the short and off season and blah, 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 blah. But they're getting nothing out of Sean Bradley and Davion Taylor, despite linebackers that really shouldn't be starting in the NFL, uh, TJ Edwards aside. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Alex Singleton has, you know, he's made some plays. The, he obviously had the interception return for a touchdown uh, that was kind of gifted to him to some degree against the Niners. But the play that I loved that he made, was it was it Devontae Freeman that he absolutely just trucked on yeah. the blitz? That was awesome. The first <laughs> like, Giants game. <laughs> yeah. So I do like his mentality when he plays. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm interested to see what, what uh, TJ and, uh, and Alex Singleton can do. Uh, as the, if, if they indeed those two guys are, are the starters uh, for the time being, um, so maybe maybe they have some maybe 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 have something there is the wrong way to put it, but maybe they can be a significant upgrade uh, over Duke Riley and uh, and and Nate Gary. I think I'm going to go B minus for cornerback because okay. Darius, Darius Slay has been pretty great. Um, yeah, you know, no real issues. I, I would have liked to see some more big plays from him. You know, it's big play Slay. Uh, hasn't really lived up to the nickname in that regard. Eagles still don't yeah. have an interception from a cornerback since Sidney Jones in Week 17 last year, so that's that's good. Is that right? Um, yeah, I guess that's right. Uh, you know, obviously, cornerback two hasn't been as good. Nickel Roby Coleman has been bad. Uh, Strat <laughs> right. can still do some good things, although he's not perfect. Um, has some limitations. Michael Duquette came in and gave the Eagles some competent play in a very limited spell. Uh, if I'm really factoring that in here, I guess... Who am I? But yeah, so B minus on this one. What about you? So I'm going to go B plus on the corners, uh, a little higher than you. And for me, really, it's all about Slay. <laughs> like he's been sort of the one free agent acquisition in a sea of bad uh, free agent acquisitions this year uh, by Howie Roseman. And really, for me, it's like they got killed all last year with, um, you know, by specifically by number one wide receivers. Uh, on, on opposing offenses, just lit them up year, like all year. Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, like Devontae Adams, just across the board. Like every week, it was a new receiver just killing them. And he's done a great job on opposing number one receivers. And then also, they gave up uh, more 40 plus yard pass plays than uh, any team in the league, including if you include the playoffs, than any team uh, in the NFL last year. And those numbers are substantially down. I think they've only given up like one or two so far this year. So they've eliminated the the huge plays, the huge backbreaking plays uh, by by opposing passing games. So Slay has a lot to do with that. As you mentioned, a lot of the other guys are just sort of guys. Uh, but I mean, Slay has really made a big difference uh, on this defense this year. So what about safety, Jimmy? So I think you and I both were in agreement that bringing back Rodney McLeod was probably a bad uh, move by uh, the Eagles this, this offseason. But it turns out we were wrong because uh, McLeod's actually been pretty good this year um, playing that free safety role. So uh, I think he's been a little bit of a pleasant surprise. And I should note also, by the way, it pained me to kind of you know, criticize McLeod all year because he's really a great guy. So I felt bad, you know, pointing out that he didn't really play uh, uh, he didn't really play well last year. So I'm happy for him that he's playing a little bit better this year. And then as far as Jalen Mills goes, we already knew that it was going to be a downgrade from Malcolm Jenkins to him. I thought it was interesting that Chris Collinsworth said during the telecast of the uh, Saints-Buccaneers game, uh, he actually said that the Eagles think, meaning that he seems to have some sort of um, knowledge from the team itself, that they miss him both in the red zone and on third down. I would also add that they miss him uh, going up against opposing tight ends. I think the tight ends really killed the uh, Eagles linebackers this year more than they've hurt Mills. Mills has done a better job uh, on the linebackers than guys like Nate Gary, for example. Uh, but Mills, obviously, nowhere near as good as uh, as good a player as Malcolm Jenkins, which we already knew was going to happen, I think, uh, heading into the season. I think he's at least been able to sort of tread water in his new role. He hasn't been horrible, 
But um, as far as expectations go, for me, uh, I'd give the the group a B minus. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go C plus here. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say you know Rodney McLeod has exceeded expectations. Jalen Mills, I think you probably still need to upgrade there, ideally in the long term, or I mean maybe you can get by with him. But he's not. Is like... he on the team next year? Sorry to cut you off. Is, is, do you think he's on the team next year? I mean, Schwartz loves him, so I mean that's that's always part of the <laughs> right. equation here. So I'm gonna say yes, but I think ideally, you know, you could do better. He's not, you know, he's not a plus. He's not like a difference maker in a in a positive way. I, I like Jalen Mills. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I like uh, his energy and what he brings and everything um, from that side. But I just don't think he's the ideal fit there. And you have to give him credit for shifting between cornerback and safety on the fly, like he's had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and making this transition as a whole. So it's not an anti-Mills thing. But uh, looking at like some of the other guys, you know, Will Parks hasn't really made an impact. Kind of disappointing if you're bringing him in free agency. Obviously, he, he had been injured for most of the season. Uh, Kayvon Wallace, who we all thought might have a chance to be an immediate contributor, has not been able to get on the field over Marcus mm-hmm. Epps. So that's not great. Um, I don't think Marcus Epps has been anything special. He's missed some, some tackles. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go C-plus on that one. All right, let's go to Schwartz, which uh, I know he's a lightning rod for some of the fans. Why don't you go first on Schwartz? Jimmy, I am confident in nothing more than the Eagles firing (laughs) Jim Schwartz at some point and then bringing in a new defensive coordinator and everyone hating that guy just as much after initially being like, oh, everything will be so much better now because we got rid of Jim Schwartz and he was the only thing wrong with the defense. Uh, This isn't to say the defense hasn't been flawed. Obviously, had some pretty bad games. You look at the Rams game. They just got smoked in that one. Offered no resistance. Uh, the Steelers game, obviously an issue as well. And the Nate Gary play where you know didn't cover Chase Claypool effectively and everything. That obviously got a lot of heat. And they, they didn't take a timeout when they could have. But on the whole, I mean, this Eagles defense ranks 11th in DVOA. They are 4th in opponent yards per play. Like, this is a quality defense. Um, it's not a great defense. It's not an elite defense. But it's quality. It's about what you could expect. And I feel like if the Eagles had an offense that didn't turn the ball over so much and put this defense in bad positions on a weekly basis, really, and not even just weekly, like multiple times within the game itself, uh, you know, the Eagles have had multiple games here with multiple turnovers, then, you know, I think this defense would look better if they could actually kind of get some help from the offense, not being as terrible as it is. So I'm going to give the defense a, or Jim Schwartz specifically, a C here. Okay. I went C plus. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I agree with you that I think the grass is greener on the other side when you look at uh, Jim Schwartz. I mean, you look at like what the Eagles had prior to him. You're looking at Billy Davis. You're looking at Juan Castillo. Obviously, Jim Johnson was uh, a legend. So you're not going to compare him to a guy like him. But when you look at just offenses in general around the league, or excuse me, defenses in general around the league, they're underperforming across the board just because the rules really so heavily favor uh, the offense in today's NFL. So I think like what we're used to seeing defenses be able to do is you know, sort of gone. And I think he's done, you know, he doesn't have a great defensive roster. <laughs> it's not like they have like all these star players across the board and he's just not doing anything with them. So, you know, you mentioned the Rams game. Uh, that was certainly a, a bad game plan that he even admitted was a bad game plan heading into that game. You mentioned the Steelers game where they, they should have called a timeout at least. Uh, I don't like the play call there either where Chase Claypool, you know, and, and, the, and the Steelers beat, um, you know, they go empty and, and they they expose the, the man-to-man match or excuse me, uh, uh, they expose the, the matchup between uh, Gary and, and Chase Claypool. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been always great. And uh, there are certainly flaws with Jim Schwartz. And I know there's some certain things that really get under the skin of the fan base, like the sticks defense and such. And so sort of those soft shell defenses in third and long and, and uh, those type of situations. So, like, I get it, but uh, he's a better defensive coordinator than than most of the defensive coordinators in the league. And uh, you know, I still don't give him a good grade necessarily. I give him a C plus. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm with you that I think that sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. And uh, if they did, and by the way, to, be, to clarify, Brandon, Brandon isn't sure that they're going to fire him. He's sure that if they did fire him, that <laughs> the next guy would get criticized harshly as well. So I don't think Brandon was saying that they're going to fire him, right? Correct. Although. Okay. Could happen. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to rule it out. Well, um, <laughs> the, the way you the way you worded that initially, like I'm yes. sure that they're going to fire him, uh, but the, he, I don't think Brandon's sure they're going to fire him. So, um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Doug, what do you got? Dougie P. I have to give Doug a C minus. Now, maybe that's not harsh enough for some people, but I think Doug is kind of getting a lot of too much ish uh, for things that aren't always necessarily in his control. 
as I've talked about before in this podcast, I think, you know, the players, Carson Wentz, his defensive coordinator, a lot of people have more power in this organization than Doug Peterson. But yeah, it's funny because I feel like the way the organization sets it up kind of is like, you know, Doug Peterson deserves the most blame if they fail. Interesting how that works. Doesn't get the power, but does get the blame when things go wrong. It's an interesting dynamic for them to have. Um, but look, you know, the offense hasn't been good enough at a bottom line level, Jimmy. It is Doug's responsibility to get Carson Wentz playing well. And Carson Wentz has not been good. And, you know, if I'm kind of including the coaching staff in here, the offensive coaching staff, you know, I just, I don't think they've done a good job. You know, you look at this offense, the creativity isn't what you want to see. Turn, you know, turnovers are a huge issue. Like They can't solve Carson Wentz. There's, there's a lot of issues here. I think you need to give Doug Peterson credit when it comes to, you know, resiliency and like the culture of the team and the fight and everything. And that stuff matters because you look at the Cowboys and how they've kind of cratered, although, you know, they had a better game against the Steelers here, but, you know, they've had some low points here where, you know, players anonymously calling out Mike McCarthy, even though he's a, <laughs> he hasn't been there that long. Um, so, ultimately, C- minus for Doug Peterson for me. I just, my main thing with Doug is that he is not, it's not like you fire Doug and all the Eagles problems are solved. I think some people really feel that way, or at least feel like that's how you start. I wouldn't start that way. I don't think they should start that way. I think maybe you're looking at something like, and, and this depends on how the second half of the season goes, but if it trends the same way in the first half, maybe you're looking at something like Doug Peterson has to give up his play calling, begrudgingly, I'm sure, uh, to bring in some kind of new hotshot offensive coordinator. I think that's still something that hasn't been done well, is you know building up the offensive coaching staff in a good way um, when you look at the results. What about you, Jimmy? I think it's been his worst year. So it's debatable between this year and his first year in 2016, but I think expectations are higher now that, you know, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. He's been to the playoffs uh, each of the last three years. You sort of expect him to be better than he's been this year. Uh, his, his first year as a coach, you know, you're learning a lot of different things on the job and, and whatever. And you kind of give a little leeway there. So I, th- I think it's really been his worst season, especially because when you look at like how they were positioned heading into the season where Doug was heading into his fifth year as a, as a coach, uh, the defensive coordinator was heading into his fifth year at the team starting quarterback was heading into his fifth year with the team. They really had a big advantage over other teams around the league that didn't have that same setup, especially in the NFC East, where it was like an entirely, I mean, we've seen how bad the NFC East is. And that's probably contributed to it a little bit, where they all hired new coaches during the offseason. And you have just other teams around the league that didn't have that same advantage that the Eagles have. And they haven't capitalized on it, in my opinion. So uh, you have that. And then I'm not one to really like, how should I put this? Like like micromanage uh, play calling. But He's had some really weird play calls this year, and I think the most egregious example was when they threw that fourth and goal fade to Hakeem Butler, who was literally playing his first ever snap in the NFL, which I still just, I won't get into all that, but like, it just, it's been sort of like weird play calls like that uh, throughout the course of the season. So uh, you mentioned, you know, there's there's maybe um, other factors at play within the organization, but I mean, we're, we see Doug uh, speak uh, on camera, like, you know, two, three times per week uh, during the season. So uh, he's sort of like the face of the organization and uh, obviously gets sort of the full brunt of the criticism when the, when the team isn't playing well. And I agree with you that it's not always fair uh, at times. But I, I think, like, yeah, as you mentioned, he is a good coach and um, he does have the respect of the players in the locker room. So I'll st- I'm still going to give him a C. But uh, again, I, I do think that this has been sort of a disappointing year for him. Our, Jimmy, you did say, you know, you don't like to Mike or the Eagles don't like to or you don't like to Mike Grow manage the play calling. Uh, Mike Grow definitely. Yeah, the Eagles didn't <laughs> want him to manage the play calling either. They fired him. So that's a good yes. point. Uh, Howie Roseman. Here we go, Jimmy. It's, it's really my time <laughs> to shine. This is this is really the only reason we did this grading activity is so I could weigh in on Howie Roseman. And I'm going to give him. A D minus because okay, I think Howie, I thought you were going to go F. No, because I think you can look at the Slay trade in a vacuum, like you said, and say that's it. In a vacuum, it's a good acquisition because Slay has been playing well. I still think you know the you have to question the use of resources there. Um, Rodney McLeod, you know that turned out better than expected. I have to give him some credit for that. You know, there's some things here you can pick and choose that I can kind of bring him above that F level. But on the whole, I mean. It's disappointing, man. This It's another bad offseason. You said, you know, five, fifth year for Schwartz, fifth year for Doug. This is Howie Roseman's 20th year with the Philadelphia Eagles. That is insane to me. And it's really uh, not quite his 10th year being a GM, you know, because there was the chip year in there. And obviously, too, there was the uh, 
absolvement, or that's a word, there's the absolving of blame for Howie Roseman earlier in his career by Jeffrey Lurie by saying he wasn't fully in charge, which, okay, great. Um, his first couple of years as a GM, that, that, that was all Andy Reid's fault for the failures, sure. You know, Howie's been here a long time, obviously won the Super Bowl, kind of a big deal, had an excellent offseason that year, no doubt about it, no qualifying that, but on the whole, when you look at his track record, it's just not like that one of an elite team. And I think the Eagles have been more average or kind of slightly above average. And I think the way Howie Roseman has this team trending is pretty concerning. You know, the Eagles are in bad cap shape. So I don't even want to hear, by the way, too. Like, so many people are like, oh, just keep Howie around for cap stuff. Why? Look at the cap situation. It is not great. Now, I think, you know, the Eagles are going to be able to maneuver around that. But they've made some bad deals. Like, the Javon Hargrave deal is looking bad. The Austin Jeffrey thing it is, is a disaster. And I know that was last year. That carried over into this year, the impact of that. Deshaun Jackson, you know, that trade was a failure. Bringing him back was a total bust. Um, there's been a lot of things that have not worked out here. And, you know, I'm not ready to say Jalen Rager is definitely good. He might have w- missed on him instead of taking Justin Jefferson, who had, a, I think, a smarter profile to bet on. So there, there have been a lot of mistakes here. I mean, just look at all the defensive free agent acquisitions, which, by the way, in an offensive-friendly league, like that's where the Eagles spent all their money. And now you can kind of, this is where kind of Jim Schwartz gets roped into the personal conversation. But that's an issue to me. The fact that like we would be blaming Jim Schwartz, like the buck should stop with Howie Roseman. Like Jim Schwartz isn't the general manager. So if he's getting personnel power, that's like, so who's giving it to him? (laughs) And why are they giving it to him? Are they giving it to him because they don't trust the general manager? I have a lot of issues with Howie Roseman. I think he thought this team was in a lot better shape than they truly were heading into this year. And I think he has clearly been proven wrong in that regard. And I think it's a shame because I think a lot of fans know that the blame should start with him, but it won't. So, Jimmy, what do you have for Howie? Do you you need a cigarette? (laughs) I'm smoking one right now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have too much bad. I think you pretty much covered everything. But uh, I gave him a D. The draft, as you mentioned, I mean, they're not getting anything out of that so far this year. I I didn't even mention Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the the Jalen Hurts pick is still confounding to me. The, uh, the, the Davion Taylor pick, I think, doesn't make a, a lot of sense where they took him in the third round. Um, what they did with Alshon Jeffrey, forget like the contract that they gave him, but just keeping him on the roster for yep. the entire season and wasting roster space. I mean, we're heading into week 10 now. Like, he could have been activated uh, after the – he could have been – I mean, he could have been on pop for the first six weeks and not occupied a roster spot, and now he's back. And, uh, I mean, he hasn't played a game yet. So, like, he's been on the – he's been occupied in a roster spot for – for half the, more than half the season already, and they've gotten zero snaps out of him. Uh, we mentioned um, uh, Casey Tuwiller earlier in the podcast, but that's a guy that they had to cut because they didn't have that roster spot. Um, all the all the new coaching staff additions that I don't know if they were forced on Doug or what the, or what the story is on that, but uh, I think that there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen there, and I don't know if that's having sort of an adverse effect on the offense and Carson Wentz, but it's certainly uh, a question worth asking. And then, uh, you know, the, the one thing that uh, a lot of people are giving Howie credit for is Travis Fulgham, which um, oh my God. I did a story about uh, about sort of the everything that went into him eventually landing with the Eagles, the scouting process and whatnot. It's a really uh, it's a success. It's a success story for the team. Like, I think the scouting department as a whole did a really good job in terms of evaluating him and pouncing on an opportunity when they had a need for for a player. And they did all the background and like showed all that and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, from Harry Roseman's perspective, the scouts, you know, they needed to replace Robert Davis. They went to Howie. They pitched Fulgham, who they had done a lot of homework on uh, prior to the 2019 draft. It sort of kept uh, him in mind uh, if he'd come available. And um, it was really just the how he said, jerk, let's get him. They put in a waiver claim. Uh, and that was about the end of uh, his involvement in that. They did sort of have him as their top wide receiver priority. Uh, as far as bringing him back to the practice squad after 53-man cuts. But as far as, you know, how he, you know, getting credit for, for this great find in Travis Fulgham, I would say it was more of, a, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the work of the scouting department than, than it was Howie Roseman individually. Yeah, that's insane. And especially, too, like, Fulgham only has to play because of how bad he messed up things with Deshaun and Alshon. Like, he, he botched the wide receiver situation so badly that Travis Fulgham had to play. And had to enter this role. Like it is, it's luck. It's more luck than it, it's. It's undeserved. It's undeserved luck. The, the, sorry, if I, if I can just cut in there for a second. Like the Alsh, the the Sean, the Sean in particular, 
So, like, I can kind of understand the logic of keeping Alshon just on the fact that you're paying for him anyway. So, all right, fine. If you don't think he's going to totally wreck your locker room or whatever, if you need him at some point later in the season and you still have him instead of paying him for to, to just be on the street or playing for somebody else, so, all right, fine. But relying on Deshaun Jackson to be healthy this year, like, we all, like, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that that was a bad idea by me, you, and everybody else that, that covers the team and the fan base. I and, mean, like, it just seemed like, like you just don't rely on him going forward. And I thought that you know, both of us thought that, you know, they should have brought in a veteran wide receiver uh, during the offseason. And Robbie Anderson, I thought, mm-hmm. was a guy that kind of uh, was was had at a, at a bargain by the Carolina Panthers. He remained on, on the uh, free agent. I mean, he remained unemployed for like a month, I think, like after uh, free agency began. So there were plenty of opportunities uh, to bring him in. And What's he now like? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like the updated uh, stats league wide, uh, you know, in terms of uh, receiving, but I know he's like near the top of uh, receiving yards in the NFL this year and has played really well for the Panthers. They could, the Eagles cer- certainly use a guy like that. So uh, I thought that was a, a, a misfire on, on on his part as well. Not to mention Deshaun Jackson quoting Hitler at one point in the offseason. <laughs> <sighs> All right, Jimmy. It's been a long. It's been a long year, buddy. Yeah, it has been. Why don't we? Uh, you want to tell me about Kristen Roach Roach Freeloaders? This is a repeat. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. Nine two nine five. Back after this. <laughs> Back here on BGN Radio one fifty five for our final segment. It's our NFL picks against the spread slash Eagles Giants preview part at this point. Uh, obviously, not diving into the Eagles Giants matchup a ton because they just played this team a few weeks ago, so it's not like things are super brand new. Um, Jimmy, just a recap. I am now 12 and 15. Not good against the spread this year. You're 14 and 13. You're beating me. I am 5 and 3 straight up in Eagles games. You are 4, 3, and 1 straight up in Eagles predictions. The Dallas Cowboys are on their bye this week, so we don't have to talk about them. Uh, although, you know, they played the Steelers closer than expected, so that was interesting to see. Now, Jimmy, we're going to start off here with the football team at the Lions in Detroit. There's four-point favorites in this game. Hmm, that's annoying. When I wrote my picks this morning, I had the Lions minus four and a half. And I actually took the Lions as one of my picks this week. So I got them uh, at a bad rate. That's too bad. All right. Uh, obviously, by saying that, I am picking the Lions. <laughs> like, I, I, did you, I, I assume you watched that game this weekend, right? Yes. Football Team Giants. And Alex Smith, great story, almost died from his from complications from that gruesome leg injury that he suffered a couple years ago. Amazing that he came back and has played even one snap in the NFL. He's poised to start this game against the Lions. But uh, I think as as you saw on Sunday, he's not an NFL quarterback anymore. Like he always had to rely on his feet to, you know, make plays, escaping the pocket, throwing on the run outside the pocket, uh, gaining yards on the ground. Uh, sort of extending plays and and he added that element to he had that element to his game. Now he's just a pure pocket passer, and there are two problems with that. One, he just doesn't have the skill set to be that, and then two, it's hard to be one one type of quarterback for your entire career, and then to transition to a guy that just drops back and, and throws from the pocket, as a lot of sort of mobile pocket excuse me a lot of mobile quarterbacks have learned in the NFL over years over the years. So. He's just not a viable quarterback in the NFL right now. And while I think the Lions are garbage, <laughs> I like them a, a lot more than I like the football team. So I like the Lions to win cover and uh, win handily in that game. I think you could very well be right about all that with Alex Smith, but I'm going to hold out hope uh, for the sake of this pick, at least, that like Alex Smith can kind of get back to something like what he used to be. And if he can... That's a solid formula, again, for Washington to kind of beat some bad teams. Because Alex Smith that's fair. can avoid turnovers at his best. Like, that's what he's good at. And that's all this the Washington team really kind of needs. Yes, to, that's fair. Like, if, if they can get their run game going, and Alex Smith can kind of just manage the game and the defense, which is really good, I think, can be good. 
I mean, think about it. Like the Giants had five turnovers last week, or <laughs> five takeaways. But, yeah, they won the turnover battle five nothing. They only scored twenty three points though. <laughs> like, like that's <laughs> right. that's low. Um, and obviously the Giants' offense is bad, is bad, so that's part of it. But still, yeah. So I like this Washington defense. Still, I think the Lions are a joke. Uh, Matt Patricia, especially. I mean, Ron Rivera to me is a much better coach than Matt Patricia is, and I can see this kind of being the game potentially that gets. Uh, Matt Patricia fired. I don't know if they'll do that in season. You know, I don't know, but I could see it. Like I, I can envision a scenario where it's like, how the heck did Washington come in to Detroit? The Lions are four point favorites, and then and with Alex Smith, who's like barely functioning, and they somehow beat uh, Detroit. And also because I think Washington can still kind of hang around here in the NFC East. I don't think they're they're gonna die just yet. So I will take. They should him. fire him in season. By the way, they should. Uh, well, sorry to cut you off. Why is but, he still uh, here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they should fire him, him and a couple other guys. Like, I can understand not firing, uh, like, Adam Gase if you're the Jets. Yeah. Or Doug Marone if you're the Jaguars because you want to keep losing yep. so that you can get one of these top-tier quarterbacks in the 2021 NFL draft. But uh, for the Lions, they're not going to draft a quarterback, and they still have Matt Stafford. And they probably won't be in position to get one anyway since they already won three games. So, I mean, why not? I mean, what are they waiting for? Just fire that guy. He's garbage. Eagles are Three and a half point favorites. Uh, the the Philadelphia Football Eagles, Jimmy, I should say, are three and a half point <laughs> favorites at the New York Football Giants. Who do you have? I got the Giants in this one. I have the Eagles to win the game, but uh, you look at the Giants' the last five games. All all five of those games have uh, excuse me one second one possession. Uh, actually, I wrote this down. Not even one possession, but they've all been decided by three or fewer points. They lost uh, thirty seven to thirty four. To the Giants in the game that uh, Dak Prescott got hurt, uh, they actually had two touchdowns come off the board in that game because of penalties. They beat the football team twenty to nineteen when they uh, football team missed on a two point conversion at the end of that game. Had the Eagles dead and buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Engram drop keeps them in it. Birds have a late comeback. The Buccaneers game was that Monday Night Football, yes, or Sunday Night Football. Um, they they had they drove down. Uh, had a chance to to tie the game with a two point conversion actually had a pass interference call, or flag at least came out for pass interference uh, on the two-point conversion. They picked it up. Did you see that call, by the way? I did. I think it was a good call. Or a good I, non-call, I sorry. I, I thought it was good. for. I, thought, I agreed that, that they should pick it up. But some tough luck there for them uh, on that play because that, they were – Daniel Jones has to get that ball off. Like, yep. I know, but I'm getting way off track. But uh, that, another close game for them. And then last week – of course, they beat the football team uh, twenty to twenty-three, as you mentioned, after winning the, the turnover battle five nothing. So they've been really competitive. They just can't figure out ways to beat teams other than Washington. <laughs> like they're like six and two against Washington since uh, twenty seventeen, and I think they're I think it's nine and forty-one against uh, everybody else. So they've just been an absolute disaster against every team other than Washington. And I'm never going to pick against the Eagles in this matchup until the Giants actually start winning one of these. I mean, Eagles have nine in a row against them, uh, 12 of 13, uh, 21 of 25. Just a team that they own. So I'm, not, I'm never going to pick against the Eagles to to not, you know, I'm never going to pick the Giants to beat the Eagles outright until I actually see it. But uh, I think 3.5 is a number that's uh, maybe a little too high for, for me when I think that these teams are, you know, really not that far off from being equal. And then you add in that it's being played in North Jersey. And I'll take those points. So what's your score prediction? I'm going to go uh, Eagles 27, Giants 26. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a lock that the Giants cover actually in this game, especially that three and a half. Really like the three and a half. Three, you know, could be tie there. What's that? What about the bump push is the word I was looking for. Push, there. yes. But I think the Giants are going to win this game, Jimmy. And I'm breaking the cardinal rule of mine that you just brought up as well. Like, why would I ever take the Giants when they, you know, until they prove they can actually beat the Eagles. But I just, I, the Eagles are bad, Jimmy. They're a bad oh, you're team. You're going outright, huh? Taking the Giants outright? Yeah, the Eagles are bad. And I think <laughs> the bye week has totally kind of made us forget that a little bit. Because I, I see it in SB Nation does this uh, thing called SB Nation Reacts. And there's like a fan confidence poll. And Jimmy, yeah, the fan uh, confidence went up like 11% on the bye. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of just reminds me of how I look at the be- – if you look at the beginning of the season for each team, even a team that we know is going to be bad going into the year, like the Jets or take your pick, like fan confidence is always high. People talk themselves into their favorite team when there's like distance between the losing and the bad. 
Like people, yeah, yeah, like yeah. people, and I get it. You're looking for reasons for optimism, and especially it's a terrible year. So I'm not blaming anyone for doing that. But like I'm saying that I think kind of people are forgetting just how bad this team was in the first half, and then as recently as their last game. I mean, the Eagles ranked 28th in DVOA. The Giants are higher. They're actually 25th. You look at um, how this Giants team is playing competitive. I think this would be like Joe Judge's signature win of his uh, first year as Giants head oh, coach. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Be like we no finally. Doubt. It'd be like their Super Bowl. It's like we finally beat the Eagles. We finally <laughs> yes. did it. We haven't done it in forever. Um, so I think the players are going to be really hungry for this one, especially after nearly. I mean, Jimmy, the Eagles freaking trailed the Giants, or they only had sorry, they only had ten points in most of that Giants game until like what you know they they scored on those two late drives. Yeah, but like they had ten points for most of that game. I think it's for like for the first fifty four minutes of that game. Like it's not so unthinkable. And they, again, they should have lost if Evan and Ingram doesn't drop that pass. They should have lost. So it's not like so unthinkable to me that the Eagles could lose this game. I know they're getting healthier, but like I said earlier, like they were playing poorly when they were healthier earlier this year. So like that isn't the most meaningful thing to me. Carson Wentz is a huge factor in this. He has been horrible. He has been terrible <laughs> and. Maybe he breaks out of it. Maybe there's some kind of positive regression here. Uh, but until I see that, I'm not going to believe it. And I think because of how bad Carson Wentz has been, that kind of mitigates the Daniel Jones factor. Because I'm I'm not a big believer in Daniel Jones, but Carson Wentz could potentially turn the ball over more if not you know if not match him in turnovers in this game. Uh, so so yeah, I, I'm taking the Giants here. I feel really confident about that. I could be wrong, but like. I'm not really waffling on that. I, I think the Giants are going to win this game. But guess what? I don't think it matters because I did my Eagles prediction for the rest of the season. And uh, and I, the way I kind of look at it is the Eagles are going to either – I think they're going to go one and one these next two games. So if they beat the Giants, I think they're going to lose to the Browns. If they lose to the Giants, I think they can beat the Browns. I think they're going to go one and one the next two. Then they have that tough stretch of what, the five? Really tough stretch. I think they, yeah. I, I wouldn't, uh, uh, do you think the Browns are good? No, but I think I don't either. No, but I mean, neither the Eagles. I think they're better they're than average. the Eagles. They're better than the Eagles. There's, yeah, if there's any question about that. But thereafter, I think you're heading this way. But yeah, Seattle at home, uh, in Green Bay, Saints at home, in Arizona. That's that's a brutal stretch. <laughs> like, and two of those teams, like the two the two home games in that stretch, are two teams that own you more than any other two teams in the NFL. Yes. And that's a factor. I think the Eagles steal one of those games. I don't know which one it is, but I think they steal one of those really tough ones, maybe. And then I have them going, winning their final two. So I had them at seven, eight, and one, which I feel like is more optimistic really? than I expected. Okay. Yeah, I think they're probably going to end up six, nine, and one in reality. But yeah, this Eagles team is bad. I still think they're going to win the NFC East, even if they do lose to the Giants here, which is pathetic. But uh, but yeah, and this is a loss. I'm going to say it is Eagles seventeen and the Giants twenty. If you look at like the the rest of the way, if the Eagles do no do nothing more than just win two more games with <laughs> the rest of the NFC not having like nobody else has more than two wins. So somebody like one of those other three teams has to play at least five hundred ball the rest of the way mm-hmm. just just to get over five wins that the Eagles would have. Like if the Eagles just get two more wins and get to five, ten and one, they're probably gonna win the division. Like we've kind of been talking yep. like all season long, like five, ten and one might get it done. But it was, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, maybe a little bit, little, little jokey, maybe. I mean, it was certainly possible at the time. But, but now, like, you look at it, and they only need two wins, and uh, two of the teams already have seven losses. So, like, they have to do better than play five hundred ball. So, you know, this. I mean, they better win this game, or else they head into that long stretch. If they lose this game, it's possible that they have a six-game losing streak. And then they can still win the division if they win the last two games. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just think about what you just said. That's so stupid. It's so dumb. I <laughs> I hate this year. It's so stupid. It's so it's like so undeserved. I said it last week. It's so stupid. It's so like how can how is that possible? How can you lose six teams in a row in the second half and then win the division? Like oh my god. So, I think it'd be very fun for them to, to go five, ten, and one and and host a playoff game and honestly i feel like they would win that playoff game i in my schedule prediction i have them like beating the bucks because right. i i think that would make i could i think i could see it because you know they'd play up the underdog role like they always love to yeah. do and right, they right. could catch a team nobody off believes in us for good reason but nobody yeah. believes in us yes 
<laughs> and then obviously they wouldn't go much further than that. But I, I could see them winning a playoff game just because of that alone. Uh, but man, what a year! Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, actually, we got uh, we we found uh, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, her mother, uh, her mother's friend. Actually, there was a uh, a little baby ca- kitten that uh was like I think it was a we think it was abandoned by its mother. Uh, so Kristen brought it in. Actually, she's just driving back from the vet with uh, this this new little kitten. This thing was like smaller than my hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's been fun uh, taking care of this little guy over the last uh, two weeks. But we're going to give him away um, at some point. So if anyone is uh, interested, I put this on Twitter too. But if anyone's interested in this little kitten, uh, email me, Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. And uh, we will consider you brandon kind of a hard transition here from loving animals <laughs> to killing animals and then eating them uh right to sell and craft jerky <laughs> go get yourself some right to sell and craft jerky by going to right to and using discount code bgn15 it's not just craft jerky there they have artisan snacks they have gear um i know loyal listener rich bobby is a big fan of right to sell so if you need a testimonial uh you know just look at rich bobby and because he's eating that stuff he's telling us how much he likes it so it's the real deal um, go get yourself some. It's worth a try. And that just about does it here for this episode of BGN Radio 155, which you know, behind the scenes, we may or may not have had some issues recording this, but we did our best <laughs> and hopefully it comes out good. And Michael Kiss doesn't hate us too much, even though it's going long. Uh, Jimmy, we'll be back next Bye, week. Everybody. Until next Sorry. time. Goodbye. Bye. BGN.